We are back to putting the after dark in Wizards After Dark because it is 1047 on the East Coast and I am recording a podcast as if I just covered a game. But instead, it was a press conference, an important press conference. Wes Unsell Jr.'s introductory one for the Wizards was kind of a press conference. I guess technically it was a press conference. It was really more of a roundtable hosted by Dave Johnson with uh, with Wes Unsell Jr. and Ted Leonsis and uh, Tommy Shepard. And, and then there was, uh, you know, the second half of it was questions from media as well with the classic Zoom issues that you get in 2021 that makes all of us think, oh, man, I, I just can't wait to be back at these things and be able to do this in person again. Uh, I, I could not sit there and stop thinking about the fact that, like, they really hired Wes Unsell Jr. to be their coach. He comes with like really rave reviews. I, I just did a podcast with Ben Standig over the weekend. If you missed that, you can check it out where Ben and I really dove into Wes Unsell stuff. And, and for today, after the press conference, I wanted to have on another guy who covered the Wizards for a very long time and is very near and dear to my heart and had a great story on Wes Unsell uh, for Monday morning in the Washington Post. My good buddy, Michael Lee, and former colleague, Michael Lee. What's going on, man? Hey, what's up, man? Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. I'm, I I I love having you on. People people say to me, thank you for having me on. I'm like, I know that's disingenuous. You just want me to say thanks for coming. No, I'm actually grateful to, that you asked me to come on. Wow. See, you're much Hello? nicer than I am. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you reaching out. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm genuine with that. Well, your story today was really good. Thank you. You don't have to say that either. That is very true. Your stories are always really good. <laughs> your story today was really good. If if my readers have, if my listeners haven't read it, you should totally go read that story. It's it's the Michael Malone quotes in there are really good. Just about how hard the Nuggets pushed to help Wes Unsell Jr along uh you know this ride with him interviewing with the wizards and obviously you know potentially getting other head coaching jobs he interviewed with orlando as well and and ended up getting a second interview there and uh yeah i mean mike what what did you take away from putting that story together um yeah i mean i i I think that you know coming into the hiring I, i think there was a lot of you know um attention paid to his name, you know, and I think that for Wes, um, it's probably been a gift and a curse. Um, and I think that some people when they are, you know, uh, you know, their parents are famous or their parents are, are greats at something. Um, that's something that they rely on as a crutch to sort of allow them to maneuver and, and, and get through life. And then there are other people where they view the name as something that, it sort of forces them to overcompensate and let people know that they are in this because of themselves and they want to work hard and they really don't want the handouts and they want to make sure that people respect them for who they are. And the impression I get from Wes and I always got from Wes is that um, in, in some ways he, he viewed his, his name as a gift and a, and a burden, but he, but he used it in a sense that from that point he got his foot in the door, but then from there on, he had to make sure he worked harder than everybody else so that people would not look at him as, oh, that's Wes's son. And I think that was 
part of the reason why I remember when he was assistant with the Wizards because obviously I was covering a team then. And um, and when he left to go to Golden State, um, I remember thinking that that was the best possible move for him because um, I know that he had put in a lot of work um, with Eddie Jordan's staff. And then, you know, Ed Tapscott took over and then Flip took over and he still kind of hung around. Um, but he always wanted to get that seat on that front row. Uh, and that's usually the that's that's where all assistants want to be. You want to be a shot caller on the front row, um, but the opportunity wasn't coming. And when Flip was here, that wasn't going to happen under Flip. And so when he went to Golden State to work with Mark Jackson, it was an immediate upgrade for him. But I think it also opened him up, opened himself up to other organizations and how they do it. And then of course he went to Orlando uh, with Jacques Vaughn staff, and um, and I think there that was such a difficult situation because. It was a first-time coach um, trying to find his way in Orlando. The team was struggling. They had a lot of young players in their rebuild. But going to Denver is where he really found his voice. And um, and I think that's when he started to gain his confidence. I had to uh, – when I first started working at Yahoo, um, one of the first stories I, had, I was assigned to do was to go um, hang out with Michael Malone and sit in with his coaches. And I sat in on two coaches' meetings and kind of just tell the story of Michael Malone, um, you know, as he started with the Denver Nuggets. And um, and I got a chance to sit in there, and obviously I knew Wes. And um, I guess I could share it now. It's not that big a deal. But, um, you know, I, I got to see how all the coaches interact. I got to see, you know, them watch game film and then break down, you know, what was going wrong, what was going right. And, and Wes doesn't say a lot. But what he does say carries a lot of weight and he has a lot of um, he doesn't waste his words. Um, and so when he noticed a player was kind of dogging it or not giving the effort, he would point it out, you know, in the film. And he would make a point that, you know, we got to make sure we get to that. And um, he wasn't very talkative in the meeting, but you could tell that he was very aware of what was going on and knew, knew the players tendencies and knew what they needed to do in certain situations. And um you know, I, that, that always stuck with me because I'd never really seen him in that setting because when he was an assistant in Washington, he was probably the one guy who I, I couldn't talk to, you know. Um, the other assistants, <clears throat> you know, you could talk to them about anything and just kind of joke with them. But Wes was always working. Um, he was always either helping a player, you know, um, you know, take shots, rebounding for him, um, you know, doing all the pregame stuff. And so he was always focused on the work. So if ever I walked up to him and just asked him how things were going, he would say, be nice. But then he's like, oh, I got, I got to go help so-and-so. I got to help, you know, Karan. I got to help whoever. And so he was always focused on – he wasn't trying to smooth. He wasn't trying to, um, you know, be buddy-buddy with the media um, or be a source or being somebody you could get information from. He just was somebody that laid low and uh, it was just about his work. And that's sort of the way he, he approached every all of this. And that's why he's, you know, put in 24 years <laughs> as a scout and as an assistant before getting a head coaching job. And I think that's one of the things that, to me, uh, says a lot about him and, you know, his patience and his diligence is that he never once felt like he was supposed to get a job or he was supposed to have this or that he felt entitled to it. Um, and he never felt like um, he needed to do anything other than work. I think the thing, it's funny you say that, because I think the 
the quote that kind of stood out to me the most in that story to paraphrase is when Michael Malone says that Wes wasn't out there shaking hands and kissing babies. That's just not his personality. And I think that sentiment. So, I mean, I, I spoke to Michael Malone on the phone briefly earlier today. I spoke to Tim Connolly on the phone too. And the vibes that I get from that, not the vibes that I get from them, what, what they say and what, what Connolly explicitly said. I mean, I guess what I'll say first is the fact that you already have a story out talking to Michael Malone, the fact that they at least spoke to me too, for a story that I'm going to put out later this week, I wouldn't be surprised if they spoke to other journalists also. Mm -hmm. Uh, The fact that these guys in major leadership positions, I mean, this is the president of basketball operations and the head coach of a really, really, really good NBA organization. The fact that these guys are doing a media tour after the guy, he already got the job. It's over. You, they aren't campaigning anymore. They're, they're just doing it because they're so excited that he got a head coaching job. The fact that these guys are doing, doing like media tours after just to rave. I mean, Tim Connolly just absolutely raved about him and they are, they're pretty close. They're well, not pretty close. close. They're really close. I mean, Tim Connolly said to me, he's the best, literally one of the greatest guys I've ever crossed paths with. That's his quote. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The, the fact that these guys are doing it after the fact, uh, I think says a lot, a lot more than anything they could say before he gets a job. You know, uh, yeah, because it's not necessary anymore. And and what I was going to say about the the kissing babies and shaking hands quote from Michael Malone that he had in your story is, I think the fact that Wes just didn't promote himself is what is driving all these guys to be like, no, we now we got to push harder. We got to take care of him because he's not going to do it himself. He's not going to do the self promotional stuff. So so we got to go out and do it for him. Yeah, yeah, it was funny because uh, you know I didn't get into it in the story, but um, when I was talking to Michael Malone, uh, he had said that um, you know he had thought that what Wes should have gotten an opportunity a long time ago, uh, at least at least an interview. Um, you know he wasn't somebody that was considered for interviews, and I think that you know there's a point where he wound up talking to Wes and he was just like, hey man, you need to hire an agent or somebody. Like you need to get somebody to to get out there and, and put your name out there and and start promoting you and, and, and pushing you if you're not going to do it. Um, and he said that West was, wasn't for it. Like West was just like, nah, you know, I, I'm just, I just, I'm just going to do the work. And then hopefully, you know, people will just see the work I do and they'll respect that. He's like, no, nah, that's just not how this game works, <laughs> you know? And so eventually he had to kind of come around, um, you know, and accept the fact that, you know, if he really wanted to be a head coach, then he was going to have to have somebody sort of, you know, trumpet him in some ways. And, and, uh, this probably was tough for him to accept it. You know, you, you don't just get everything in this business just because you're good at what you do. Um, you also need somebody who's going to, you know, push you and, and put you out there to make sure that people understand just your value. Um, you know, I think that one of the cool things that, that he has shared with me was that, or Michael Malone shared with me was that for Denver, Wes getting his job is a total statement for just the programs they built there. You know, they have the best record in the Western Conference over the last three seasons. And, you know, 
uh, an assistant coming from there, whether it's a GM, assistant GM now is running the Bulls, assistant coach now running the Wizards. Um, I think that those those situations sort of signal that Denver is, is doing something right and that they're an organization that should be modeled. Um, the people should model their organizations after. And I think that, you know, West getting this opportunity just it does says a lot about Denver as much as it does about Wes. And I think that they want to be out there so much so that, you know, they wasn't just uh, Michael Malone or Tim Conley out there speaking on Wes's behalf, but Jamal Murray <laughs> and Nikola Jokic. And I thought it was pretty cool that, you know, when they were trying to get uh, Nikola Jokic to to speak up on, on Wes's behalf, Nikola was like, why would I do that? You know, I don't want Wes to leave. And that says a lot, too. You know, when the MVP of the league is, is one of your, you know, main guys saying that he needs a head coaching job, but also doesn't really want him to leave and, and, and understands how much he pushed him and how much he demanded him to be a, a better defensive player and how, you know, you know, one of the things, you know, one of his big knocks was that he didn't defend. And that's one of the reasons why the Nuggets were struggling, you know, when he when his early days there. But now he made that commitment and now he's not, you know, Joel Embiid or Giannis Antetokounmpo on the defensive end, but he is a steady, you know, he's he's a stable, you know, defender. He's somebody that can kind of hold his own from time to time. And that's enough. You know, um, they don't necessarily have lockdown defenders on that Nuggets team. But they're in the top six the last three years, and that was Wes's job to handle the defense. And so I think it's going to be an interesting challenge here in D.C. because he's kind of got a, a collection of players who, you know, aren't really noted for their defensive prowess, and he's going to have to sort of get that out of them. Um, and he has the, the, the demeanor that I think will help him um, at the, with his job. He has a sort of demeanor that I think – could work well with a Russell Westbrook. <laughs> um, you know, I asked uh, Michael Malone and sort of brought up on his own that, you know, people are like, how is he going to deal with a guy like Russ who's just so emotional and so just, just energy just out there? How is, how is somebody that's even killed and this laid back going to deal with him? Um, and he said, well, thing, the reason why he thinks it's going to work is because Wes is never going to match emotion with emotion. With emotion. He's going to match it with just his approach. And people are going to respect it because they know it's from a sincere place and that he's never going to be trying to be in the press and trying to promote himself. He's just going to be out there trying to make sure the players are in the best position to succeed. And he's going to do his best to make sure that, you know, they're going to they're going to perform at a high level. And that's typically how you get, you know, the best out of your players is by going out there, telling them what they do wrong, being direct with them, being honest with them. And also, um, you know, pushing them and, and motivating them. And you can see it right now with the Phoenix Suns, Monty Williams works that way. Um, you know, and, and I think that that's just what, what teams want now. They want a coach who can sort of relate to them, but also somebody who can just be direct with them and really coach them. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes perfect sense. I mean, the other thing with him is that he has a reputation for being very collaborative, and I've talked about that in the pod before, just kind of yeah. he, he will he – will, discuss with players how they like to be used and then try to maximize those comfort levels when he's putting together schemes and that kind of stuff. And, and that's going to be, that is going to be really interesting to see how he tries to implement that quite honestly on both sides of the ball, because the wizards finished 20th in defense last year and they were, they were above average the second half of the season. 
but they were 20th in points allowed per possession. And that was after finishing 27th and 29th the previous two years. And they just consistently struggle there. They don't keep the ball at the point of attack. They just, they get blown by all the time. Their rim protection is inconsistent. It was better in the second half of the year when they had a rim protector on the floor a lot more. But with Thomas yeah. Bryant Brack back, I'm I'm curious to see how that's all going to transpire as well. Um, you know, there are, there are a lot of questions, and, and the core personnel, if they choose to bring back the same core personnel, you know, you got Beal and you got Westbrook at the top of your defense. I mean, those guys get blown by. That's just what tends to happen. And, and Unseld said during his press conference today that – you know, those guys, he said he sounded like he was talking to the same person when he spoke to each of them individually because he said they both said they want to be coached and they're both com- gonna, they're both committing to defense and, and all those things. That's great. That's, that's, that's saying all the right things. But I'm curious to see what it's going to look like because Unseld has a great reputation as a defensive coach. Uh, but ultimately, you have to... You have to implement this stuff, and I'm curious to see how that's going to look. I'm curious to see how his reputation of being able to take a guy's strengths and and implementing it into an offense and and while trying to minimize weaknesses. I'm, I'm really interested to see how that's going to transpire offensively, uh, especially with Russell Westbrook, who is like the ultimate tons of strengths but tons of weaknesses kind of guy, right? I mean, I'm, I, yeah. there's so many things I'm curious of, about. He's a tough guy to coach because eventually you have to just let Russ be Russ, and that that goes against all your coaching instincts, you know, because you want to make sure you run the right play and do what you have to do. But Russ is going to do Russ, and that's always going to be a challenge. Um, you know, one thing too that interesting about him and how he was in charge of the defense in Denver uh, when he was in Washington, he was mostly he mostly helped with the offense, and he sort of helped you know the team sort of strive to be a top 10 offensive team when they had Gilbert Arenas and Karan Butler and Antoine Jameson. They had three, three big time scores. Um, and so, and, and I, I spoke to somebody who, who, who worked with him um, during, during that period. And, you know, usually when you have assistants, you know, they have great relationships with players because they're usually the sounding board. They're usually the guy that, you know, players whine to or complain to about, you know, not being used right or not getting minutes or not getting this and that. And um and Wes was younger, you know, he was, you know, late twenties, early thirties during that time. Um and so he could kind of relate to a lot of the players. But he wasn't somebody who just let them just mope or complain. He was somebody that was direct and blunt with them. You know, he was somebody that if they said that, you know, they didn't want to do something a certain way, he's like, no, 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 this is this is what's supposed to be done. This is what's supposed to happen here. This is what we need to do. And the players responded to that and respected that, you know, because they knew that, you know, Wes was going to be the guy to tell them straight up, like, this is what has to be done. And and uh, it's going to be interesting to see now that he's going to be the, the main guy in the seat, um, you know, how he's going to get players to react to him and respond to him and, um so uh, it's a, I think it's a great hire for the for the Wizards, um, just because it's a new voice. I think that you know a lot of was made this off season about the fact that you know there's so many new voices that were hired. Obviously, there are a lot of black coaches who are given opportunity, but I think for me, it's not even just their black coaches given a chance. Just it's just new energy being injected into the league, 
And I think it's time, you know, because we always see these retread coaches coming in and we basically know like how they failed and why they failed in their previous stops. And they wind up going to different places and eventually <laughs> we see the same sort of cycle repeat itself. Um, but we never really get to see any new ideas or new styles of play. And I think that you know, everybody plays the same way now. Um, it'd be interesting to see if any of these new coaches sort of come up with something that sort of advances the game or takes it in a different direction or just try something new. So I don't know if Wes is going to be that guy or not, but I am excited that there seems to be at least enough new coaches that maybe we'll get some new energy uh, that can help, you know, um, push the game forward. You know who agrees with you on that? <laughs> <laughs> I could think of one guy. I knew you were headed with that. (laughs) You know, if I were if I were a sommelier and I were serving you a bottle of Wizards owner Wizards ownership wine, I would describe this bottle as tones of tones of high character and durable. So, yeah, I want I want to talk about this quote. So Ted Leonsis said yes. some things that are, I think, are reasonable points. But as I said, tones of, I guess, it was durable <laughs> and high character. Tones of durable and high character. Uh, he he said that uh, what I'll say that the NBA is in great great hands. He said this when he was talking about all the candidates who they interviewed for the open position because they really just interviewed candidates who don't have NBA head coaching experience. It was all assistants and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So he said, what I'll say is that the NBA is in great, great hands. Every single person that we met and talked to was outstanding. And you've seen that a lot of assistant coaches are taking the next step, especially this summer. I think there's a reason for that. This is a very, very demanding job. And sometimes when you're a head coach, a second or third time head coach, I don't think you work as hard. I think you rely on your assistant coaches, And what I found with the interviews and especially in talking with Wes, how they do the game planning, they know the players, they know the tendencies, this is assistant coaches, and they have to work really, really hard to prepare for each and every game. I looked at our team and there were times when I thought we lost games that we shouldn't have. Yes, defensively, but I think having a work ethic and demanding style will be a really, really good point of differentiation for us. (laughs) Players all in exit interviews, when we talk to them about what we were lacking and how we can improve... They talked about the little things. They talked about defensive intensity. They talked about communications. We talked to Wes, what's the key to have better defense? It's hard work, game planning, communications. And we watched some film together. It's really fascinating. And talking to the assistant coaches, the iron detail where everyone is positioned on the floor and what we were doing right, what we were doing wrong, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I will say, I... I have no problem with hiring an assistant coach and I don't even have a massive, I don't even have a huge problem with saying that retreads generally are, are not worth going with. Uh, I think speaking in such generalities is in any direction is, is probably not the best, especially when you look at this year's final four and it's Lou versus Monty in the West and it's McMillan versus Budenholzer in the East. Those guys are all 
on, you know, second, the or second third. job at least. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Second job at least. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, so I will say if that's your only logic, that second and third time head coaches are, are essentially lazy, then, then you're probably off. That being said, like, <laughs> I don't really think that's, I don't think he meant what he literally was saying. I think, uh, I think it's pretty clear what he meant by that statement. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, uh, hope you enjoyed your check, Scott Brooks. Right on the way out. Yep. <laughs> I mean, cause I, I think that, you know, obviously, you know, Steve Kirk came in and, and won right away and Nick nurse came in and run right, one right away. And Ty Lue came in and run one right away. Um, but you know, last year, Frank Vogel, that was his what third job he won. Um, this year, whoever wins the championship is going to be there. You know, they're on their second job, so it, it doesn't really matter. You know, necessarily, it's just um, it's just going to be. You know, it's just is the right coach for you. It's the right coach for your situation, and you know, Phoenix needed Monty Williams at this time. Um, the Bucks needed Bud <laughs> um, to help push push them forward. You know. Um, so it's just, it just depends on the right person in the right situation. And I, I didn't really know who the right coach would be for the Wizards. I just knew that uh, they needed something fresh. They needed somebody who um, could just bring just a different ideas to the table. And I know that he has the familiar name, but he spent the last 10 years, you know, building reputation away from this organization and, you know, really learning how the other other franchises operate, um, being successful, coaching an MVP, um, you know I think those things are things that you have to value and, and give credence to because um, you know it's just kind of this this has been a franchise that likes to tread water and sort of embrace mediocrity, <laughs> but I, I think just having somebody who comes in with a clean slate and has a vision of how he wants things to go. That's to me, the best thing that they could do as an organization. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. I don't know who the best coach of the wizards is for the wizards is. I don't know. I've said a million times. I just, how the, how the hell can you know if they were to hire a coach who's at two prior jobs and I didn't think that coach was a good in-game coach or that coach feuded with every player he ever had, then I would, I would think it wasn't a good hire, but that's not the case with Wes Unsell Jr. And it's not the case with basically any candidate who they interviewed. You know, Darvin Ham, in, in my estimation, was the guy who was really the runner up in this. And I hear great things about Darvin Ham. People speak very highly about Darvin Ham. Uh, hey, so- I, I, I covered Darvin Ham when he was uh, with the. Uh, um, when he was with the, the Hawks. So I've, I've known him for as long as I've been covering the NBA. So yeah, he, he's, he's good at what he does. If they had hired him, I thought it would have been great too. Um, he's just one of those, he's really a smart guy. Um, just not just about what's going on in basketball, but just in life. He was somebody that I always talked to about everything that was going on in the world when I was covering him. And so that he was a great guy to have just a normal conversation with. It was like, uh, when I started covering the NBA, it was like, you know what? These are just regular dudes, <laughs> you know. Um, they weren't. They they did you know superhuman things on the court, but 
you know, some of these guys are just just like you and me, talk about the same stuff, and and so that's that's he was very relatable when I first started covering this. I was like, well, if if Darvin gets the job, you know, it's it's probably overdue because he's paid his dues as well. So um, I didn't think they could have gone wrong with either guy. Yeah, for sure. And it's just it's it's so hard to tell on this stuff. You just you don't know. You know the reason why you hear great intel on Darvin Ham and you hear great intel on Charles Lee and you hear great intel on Wes Unsell Jr. Because they're all really good assistant coaches because you have to be a great assistant coach in order to even get into these conversations. Right. For the most part. Mm -hmm. Every once in a while you hear somebody get hired and you're like and and people come out of the woodworks and they're like, "Uh, that team is going to regret it. (laughs) <laughs> and usually when that happens, that's what happened. That's what happened in Indiana last year. Like right yeah. after that hire, people were like, oh, Indiana's gonna regret that. And then they and then they got rid of Bjorkren right after the year. But that that's rare. I mean, that's really rare. Normally when a guy gets hired, the reason he's getting hired is because everybody's saying he's great. Everybody thinks he's great. And you just kind of there's there's always inherent risk in hiring a uh, assistant but there's risk in either direction you know you, you there's high risk and there's there's potentially high reward yeah i mean and i think that you know you have the nostalgic you know sort of thing that's a part of this and you know just a link to the past um i think that you know west west knows what this city needs and just what it's been desiring to have for, for a long time um, and so I think having that element doesn't hurt in this respect because he understands what this franchise is all about. And he, I'm sure he's heard many and many a story uh, about, you know, what it was like <laughs> when the Wizards were on or the Bullets were on top. And so having that knowledge of this franchise, but also knowing that it ain't easy, you know, to get to this point. Um, I think that's something that can't be overlooked either. Can I just tell a story really quick before we wrap up? Sure. Um, I just, I thought this was so adorable and I thought it was such a great way to, um, thought it was such a, this was such a great way to encapsulate what this meant that Wes Ansel Jr. was becoming the head coach of the Wizards. Because I think ultimately the story from today, and that's what I wrote about, and the story is up on the athletic which if you're not a subscriber by the way you can become one if you go to theathletic.com slash wizards after dark and you sign up there for $3.99 a month but uh west jr's son west unseld the third is six years old and was in mm. the corridors of capital one arena today for the first time and he was walking by and on the wall he sees a picture of his grandfather and he's, mm. he's walking with his grandma, Wes Sr.'s mom, Connie, who told me this story. And I have this in my story. Um, and he he sees, he calls him Poopa. He sees Poopa on the wall. And he points and he says, that's Poopa. And she could tell that it kind of hit him in that moment. This is crazy. <laughs> and he goes, that's Poopa. And now daddy is going to be the coach. So now when I grow up, I got to play here too. (laughs) (laughs) I think that is the greatest comment. I laughed my ass off when I heard that story. 
it's no, I mean, fantastic. Talk about a family, man. Like that's, I love the innocence with the way that a six year old processes that moment. And it is amazing to me that a six year old could sum up the moment better than any of us. So I was just going to let Wes Unsell the third sum, sum today up uh, quite perfectly. So, yeah, yeah, he absolutely did. Uh, you know, and, and, and I, I just, I, I, um, like I said, the, it, the bar for the Wizards the expectation and for what they were going to do with this hire was for me, was pretty low. <laughs> um, but I, I think that this, this one, you know, like I said, I don't know what he's going to do and he's, he's going to struggle. He's going to have his low moments cause that's what every first time coach is going to deal with. But I, I just feel like for this organization at this time, this is the right move for them. Anything to plug? You got your, your unselled story from Monday morning. Anything else to plug before we uh, wrap? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, doing my, uh, my remote uh, finals coverage, <laughs> uh, you know, throughout the entire uh, finals and we'll see how, how things go uh, for, for game six, but I got a piece on Devin Booker up. Um, so it's, it's been fun to kind of do this thing, uh, <laughs> do the finals from home, <laughs> but you know, that's, that's the nature of things right now with COVID, but uh, I got some pretty cool projects I'm working on right now uh, outside of this that I'm really excited about that I think in the next couple of months, people are going to see and be like, Oh, okay. Now I see why Mike, Michael is doing this gig. Um, so I, I got back into my little NBA zone for a couple of weeks, but, um, you know, in the next couple of months, you're going to see that, um, you know, there's, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not just an NBA writer. Well, I still get excited when I see you wrote an NBA story because I've been reading your <laughs> NBA writing for a long time and it, it's always great. The uh, yeah, Mike's uh, Mike's Mike's West story from this morning is is really great, worth a read. It's really worth just hearing how Malone especially talks about talks about him. So check that out. Check out my story, which uh, just posted as we were podcasting. Just kind of about. I, I know I'm playing into the narrative. I I know that I am. I know I'm doing exactly the typical journalists becoming consumed with the narrative sort of thing. But I I just think it's cool. Like it's, it is, it doesn't, it will not it win is. you basketball games and it does not matter once training camp comes. It is not the story of the season and it is not the story of Wes Unsell Jr.'s career uh, coaching the Washington Wizards. Not at all. But I think it's the story of the day. I, I just think it's cool. And you, and you, and you can't, you can't run from the obvious story and this is not the time to, you know, do some sort of critical takedown of like <laughs> the nuggets failings in the postseason or anything <laughs> like that. Like, uh, you know, that, that there, there'll be a time for that. But I think for now, you know, you, you hire um, the son of the greatest player in the franchise history to be the coach of the team. You can't run from that story. You got to dive into that and, uh, and milk it for what it's worth for as long as you can. Uh, until till he gets that first L, then you got to wonder why he didn't substitute. Uh, <laughs> right? Why he's not playing know? Daniel Gafford more than twenty minutes? Yeah. Why, why didn't Why didn't Gafford get in? You know, quicker uh, when when he definitely had an impact on the game. So you know, that that that, that those those critiques will come in time. But but for now, um, you, you got an obvious story that you gotta you gotta tell and and uh, and really help people 
understand and appreciate who, who this guy is for, for right now. Exactly. And those those stories will come very soon because I'm going to have a story on Wes Unsell Jr.'s uh, basketball philosophies coming later in the week. So you can look out for that over on The Athletic DC as well. Again, you can go to theathletic.com slash wizards after dark if you want to sign up for The Athletic for only $3.99 a month. And that gets you a full subscription for everything, not just my work, but everything across The Athletic, NBA, MLB, NFL, WNBA, everything. Uh, Theathletic.com slash wizards after dark, $3.99 a month. Tell your friends about Wizards After Dark. Subscribe to Wizards After Dark wherever you listen to podcasts. Give us five stars. Leave a review on iTunes. Those those written reviews always help more than you would think. I think this will be my one episode for this week. I doubt I'll do another one later in the week. I guess I could always come back and do another, but, but I think I'm just going to come back next week, and I'm sure I'll be talking draft content next week because... The draft is 10 days from us recording this. By the time this posts, it'll be in nine days. So I'm sure I'll be doing draft stuff next week. And and then I'll do some sort of free agency preview podcast for the week after that. But I'll be back with a new episode next week. I'll talk to you guys then.